You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Bayshore. So glad you are with us this morning. We're just so grateful you're with us. I want to give a big shout out to our Rehoboth campus, and uh, they are joining us today. Snow has kind of made things complicated this weekend, and I just want to welcome our Rehoboth campus. We love you guys so much. Appreciate what you're doing, and appreciate Joel's leadership there, and Barry, and all the volunteers. And how about Kristen and Mike and their new baby, Ellie May? So we want to welcome Ellie May to the Rehoboth campus. So glad you're with us this weekend, and we're excited about being together today. I wanted to say hello to some people that watch us online regularly as well, from Salisbury, our good friends, Jim and Barbara Nottingham. Jim and Barbara, we miss seeing you guys. We know you're hunkered down in Salisbury, but we love you guys and appreciate you guys. And Dirk and Gail Whittison. Uh, Dirk and Gail, of course, live in the Lighthouse Sound in Ocean City. Uh, Dirk, I miss hanging out with you. And Gail, thank you guys for watching all the time. Also, Tom and Winina and Kaylee Moore in Salisbury, they are recovering from COVID right now. You guys have been our thoughts and prayers, and we're thinking of you. And also, I want to say a big hello to Nate's dad, Nate Williams, who is such a vital part of Bayshore, he and Jen. And uh, Nate's dad, Raymond Williams, listens from Wilmington all the time. Uh, Mr. Williams, thank you for being with us today. We're so grateful. And also one more. Can I say one more? The, uh, Sven, and, Sven, Swevens, Sven Swenson is in Texas. Sven comes to this service with his, uh, his wife, Deb, and uh, he's actually working in, in, in Texas right now. So Sven, hope you guys, I hope you're doing good down there, and we'll see you when you get back. Hey, listen, we're in a series called Tough Times Don't Laugh but tough people do. Uh, Karen and I were at the movies the other night and they showed that little, that little sign, tough times don't last but tough people do, uh, on the little uh, marquee before the movie started. And it's a great, great uh, thing to think about and I love the title of this. So we've been talking about different uh, hard times that we go through, uh, you know, economically uh, hard times. We go through sometimes that are hard with just events, world events that are difficult like the pandemic we're going through. But today we're going to talk about a little different type of hard time. We want to talk today about this idea of when we feel outnumbered, when we feel outnumbered. Maybe you look around at the culture and it seems to be getting more and more liberal, uh, leaving your values, the values that you hold dear kind of behind, and you're beginning to feel like a weirdo that you're outnumbered. Everybody around you is thinking differently than you're thinking. And I think that's happening many times. That happens many times in different countries in the world, like in Europe right now, in Germany. About 7% of people in Germany go to church. And in America, many more people go to church. But sometimes you feel like you're surrounded with ideas that are completely different than what you think. I remember when I was in high school, I went to a secular high school and I graduated from high school just after the earth's crust cooled many, many years ago. Uh, and when I was in high school, you know, I went to a secular high school and I was, I was like, just like, felt like I was the only Christian in high school. And I found the Lord, you know, in my uh, middle school years. And then when I went to high school, you know, in ninth grade, I was all these people, big high school for me. And uh, I'm surrounded by all these people that didn't share my faith. 
And I was fortunate enough to be able to lead one of my best friends, Sammy Fisher, to the Lord when we were freshmen in high school. So we became buddies, and we hung out together, we read our Bible together, and we tried to be faithful to the Lord. And uh, we, you know, I took my Bible to school, Sammy took his Bible to school, he used to wear a cross, you know, identifying myself as a believer, and uh, it gave me ample opportunity every day to talk to people about Jesus. But I remember, you know, feeling like I'm in a sea of paganism, you know, I'm like the only one serving the Lord, but it wasn't true at all. I had, uh, I had uh, other people that loved the Lord in my high school as well. Reminds me of, a, of a, a, a story in the Old Testament from this guy by the name of, about this king by the name of Ahab, and uh, then there was this prophet, Elijah, that confronted Ahab uh, for his sins. By the way, you know, the prophets in the Old Testament, what they did was uh, you had these kings in, in Israel. Of course, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and, and that God raised up these prophets to confront the kings when the kings got off track. So much of the Old Testament is sort of like that. You know, got these evil kings sometimes and the prophets, you know, telling them you're going the wrong direction. Reminds me of the uh, movie Planes, Trains, and Automobile. Uh, automobiles with uh, uh, John Candy and uh, Steve Martin. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I always watch it around Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and there's a scene in that movie where their car gets turned around, and John Candy's driving the car, and Steve Martin's kind of sleeping. And uh, John Candy, you know, gets his coat caught, you know, in the, in the uh, hook on the seat there, and the car spins around. And he gets going the wrong direction down the interstate. And he's going the wrong direction down the interstate, and, uh, and finally, uh, Steve Martin wakes up, and he looks, and he looks at the, uh, you know, the medium there, and he's trying to figure out, are we, you know, are we going the right way? And there's people on the other side that are pointing to him and yelling at him, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And they're, you know, they're making fun of him. And then all of a sudden, they realize there's two tractor trailers coming toward them. And uh, they didn't have time to turn around, and they went right between the tractor trailers. But that's what prophets do. Prophets, you know, they say, you're going the wrong way. And that's what uh, Elijah in the Old Testament did to this king by the name of Ahab. Let me read you uh, the story. And what happened was, you know, uh, Elijah felt like he was the only one, that he was outnumbered because, you know, everybody else had abandoned the faith. And here's what it says in 1 Kings 19.10. 1 Kings 19.10 says this, uh, it says, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. This is Elijah talking. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. Now, do you get the, the feeling there? There's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of uh, hostility toward people that worship Yahweh. Maybe you felt that even in our own country, you know, that there's hostility toward Christians that are evangelical, love Jesus, serving the Lord. And uh, maybe you, you sense that from the media, from movies, and from things that you're experiencing. And uh, that's, that's one different type of hard times. And I think that somewhat we're experiencing that now. He replied, this is what Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. How about that? Have you ever felt that way? You know, why Elijah felt that way is there was this new king by the name of Ahab. He was the uh, son of Omri. 
Omri, O-M-R-I. That was his dad's name. By the way, if you want to you know, get some encouragement from Scripture, uh, one of the things that happens about uh, uh, Omri, let me read to you a little bit out of, uh, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 16. It gives a little background about what happened, what was going on. Uh, yeah, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 through 33. Uh, it says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel. Now, Ahab is a wicked king, and he was the son of Omri. You know what? want to hear something encouraging? In 1868, they discovered a stone uh, in, the, uh, in Israel that had Omri's name written on it. And here's, it's called the Moab stone. Here's a picture of it. And you, if you go to the Louvre, Paris, uh, the Louvre Museum in Paris, there's this thing called the Omri stone, and uh, they've deciphered what it says, and it talks, uh, it's Moab, the, the king of Moab, Misha, that's talking about his battle against Omri, the king of Israel. So when you think about Scripture, Scripture and the Bible is collaborated by archaeology in many times. But anyhow, Ahab is the son of Omri, and what he does, it says in verse uh, in, in 1 Kings 16, verses 29 to 33, if we can go back there, uh, 1 Kings 16, it's in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel for 22 years. And then verse 30 says, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He was like worse in being evil than anybody before him. Now, that's a terrible, that's a terrible uh, uh, notoriety to have. Next verse says this. He, did not, he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which is a phrase that occurs all the time in the Old Testament, and it's because the, the kings of Israel made these golden calves and tried to keep the northern people from going down to Jerusalem to worship, and that was a perpetual sin. Uh, that all the kings of Israel perpetuated. But he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and to worship him. Now, this is a key thing. He set up an altar for Baal. Last ver- next chap- next uh, verse there. He also set up an altar for Baal in the temple Baal that he built for, uh, for him in Samaria. So here's what Ahab did. Ahab moved Israel, northern kingdom, away from worshiping Yahweh, away from worshiping the God that uh, had established them as a unique nation, uh, had moved them away and caused them to worship Baal. Now, Baal is this Canaanite god. And uh, here's what he's, he's all about. The, he was a Canaanite god that, that we found uh, figures of him uh, archaeologists have uncovered, uncovered figures of him, and he holds sort of a, 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 a mallet in one hand, uh, in his left hand, and in his right hand, he holds a bolt of lightning. And what we know about Baal is that he was a fertility god, and he made it rain so the crops would grow. So that's what he was about, and he had a, a wife by the name of Asherah. Uh, and so uh, Baal was a fertility god, bolt of lightning in his hands. Why is that important? You say, why in the world is that important? Because Elijah came and he confronted Ahab and he said, it will not rain except at my word, and it didn't rain for the next three and a half years. So so he confronted Baal, uh, confronted the worshipers of Baal with the very thing that Baal was supposed to do. And so therefore, uh, Elijah found himself outnumbered. He's in a land of people 
that are worshiping these other gods, worshiping Baal, and the king is moving uh, the nation away from worship of Yahweh, moving uh, them away from devotion to the Lord. And so here is Elijah. He feels like the only one. He feels like the only one. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe at work, you know, you go to work and everybody in the office, everybody is like cussing and swearing and, uh, and they're just having these, these values that don't match what you believe as a Christ follower and you're just like feeling like you're the only one and you're feeling isolated. That's what happens. Maybe you go, into, you go to Secker University like I did. I went to Secker University. I went to University of Delaware and uh, sometimes I was like the only Christian in the whole class. I remember being in psych- uh, so- sociology class one day, and the professor knew I was a Christian. And so he said to me in front of everybody, Mr. Tice, do you believe there's any empirical evidence that Christianity is true? And so 30 heads turned and looked at me. And the professor, you know, and is sort of standing up there, is there any empirical evidence that Christianity is true? Well, I said, well, I do believe there's empirical evidence that Christianity is true. And he said, I've asked uh, students that, Christian students that for years, and you're the first one that ever said that there is empirical evidence that Christianity is true. Most people just say we have to take it by faith. And I said, well, listen, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that George Washington was a real person? Do you believe that he really led an army at Valley Forge? And he said, well, absolutely, I believe that George Washington was a real person, and I believe that he led troops at Valley Forge. I said, how do you know? Were you there? And he said, well, we know it's true because there are historians that recorded those events, reliable historians. I said, Christianity is verified by uh, people that were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. They were eyewitnesses of what Jesus did. They were eyewitnesses of these things. And we don't have just one. The Bible says that 500 people saw Jesus resurrected at one time. And all of these people throughout history that knew Jesus and experienced Jesus, the Apostle Paul that did not believe in Jesus, thought he was a fraud. He had a vision of Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus and became the greatest preacher of the early church. So yes, I believe there's empirical evidence that Christianity is true. Well, there was a little quiet over the class there. But you know what? It was, it was a, a moment where the Lord used me, but I can remember feeling like I am the only one. So maybe you feel like you're the only one. Maybe you're the first Christian in your family, the first person to become a follower of Jesus. You're the first person in your family that put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've come to Bayshore and you put your faith in Jesus and your dad and your mom and your uncle and your aunt, they think you're crazy. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one and you feel like you're outnumbered. So let's talk about some things about when you're outnumbered. First thing I wanna say about being outnumbered, When you're outnumbered, being outnumbered doesn't mean you are wrong. Being outnumbered doesn't mean you're wrong. I think so many times we think that the crowd is always right. We think that everybody, if there's a lot of people that believe something, if there are a lot of people that are going in a certain direction, if there are a lot of people headed in a certain direction, then and we're going the opposite direction, there must be something wrong with us and maybe we're wrong. So maybe you've begun to question the, the, the veracity of your faith. Maybe you begin to question, are you right? Because everybody else seems to be going in an opposite direction. 
You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many people go in that direction. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and a few find it. So what Jesus said was the few are right, and sometimes the the majority are wrong. So it's important for you to remember that, that you have your faith in Jesus and that it doesn't mean you're necessarily wrong and that you've got to be willing to stand up for your faith and be faithful to your faith. I remember uh, reading in the Old Testament, I think it's Daniel chapter 3, where, where King Nebuchadnezzar, what a name that is, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar said that, listen, uh, you know, uh, we're, I'm going to set up this golden uh, image and when the band plays, I'm going to have the band play. And when the band plays, I want, he had all of these captives, these exiled, he had captured from all over the world. And he said, when I play uh, this music, when the band plays the music, I want everybody here to bow down at this, uh, at this golden image and uh, worship the God that I've made. So all of a sudden, the, the zither, whatever that is, and the lyre and the flute and all the stuff that, uh, that are, that's mentioned in Daniel 3 began to play. Everybody, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of exiles bowed down before that golden image. But there were three men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You ever remember that story from Sunday school? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They refused to bow. And of that big crowd, three people. Three people are standing and refusing to bow. And it says they threw uh, them in. There's some other conversation in the story. But they threw these three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. They've been heated up seven times hotter than ever before. And as Nebuchadnezzar peered in to the furnace, he saw a fourth man that looked like the Son of God. Jesus is with you. When you're going through the fire of rejection because of your faith, because you're faithful to serve Jesus and love Jesus, and maybe you feel like you're the only one, but listen, remember this, uh, just because you feel like the only one, just because you're outnumbered doesn't mean you're wrong. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. So that's important for us to remember. As I went through high school and uh, carried my Bible to school, sometimes I was, I was good, I was faithful to the Lord. Sometimes I hid my Bible a little bit and tucked that cross in because it was just really tough. But I remember, you know, hey, listen, I want to be faithful to the Lord. I want to be faithful to the Lord in this, in the, when I feel like I'm the only one. And I remember, you know, uh, not too many years ago, we had our 40th class reunion and my class called me. They remembered that I was the, the Jesus guy. They remembered that I was the Christian. They called me and they said, Danny, would you lead a memorial service in front of our high school and com- just uh, commemorate the people in our class that have, have passed away? And we had about 25 people in our class that had, had passed away. And so I stood up in front of my class, the class of 1976 at Seaford High School, and I was able to talk to them about Jesus and honor the, the people that had passed away and lead my class. Many of those people in that crowd used to make fun of me. They're standing there now. They're older and they're a little wiser than they used to be. And, and maybe they got a new perspective on life. And they listened to me as I read the Bible and prayed for them. You know, listen, being the only one doesn't mean that you're wrong. doesn't mean that you're wrong. So be courageous. You know what I hate? If I can just vent for a minute... If I can vent for a minute, here's something that I hate. I hate when you watch the news and there's pundits that tell you what to think about the news. 
You know what I think? I think I'm smarter. You tell me what happened and let me think through it on myself. I can do my own thinking for myself. Thank you very much. So make sure that you learn to, to stand for what you believe inside and to stand with what Jesus has done in your life. So very important, important, a very important point there. Second point is this. Uh, the prayers of outnumbered people make a difference. The prayers of outnumbered people make a difference. That's a really important thing for us to remember. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 5, confess your faults one to another. Confess your sins one to another. That'd be fun, would it? How if we just did that right now? We all confessed our sins. That would be an interesting service. But then it goes on to say, confess your sins one to another, and the prayers of a righteous person are very effective. Or the King James says this. I was raised on the King James, so I got remember some of those King James verses. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. I love that. The effectual, fervent, passionate prayer of a righteous person availeth much. So what that means is, is when you pray, when you pray and you uh, uh, seek the Lord about something, it makes a difference. So, you know, we think about our country. Maybe we feel like our country is going through, going toward paganism. Maybe you think it's going toward uh, Baal worship like in, uh, in Elijah's day, and you feel like you're the only one. You're getting outnumbered. Those, these hard times are you're getting outnumbered. You know, maybe we should think about this. Instead of like lamenting how awful we think things are, how about if we begin to get on our knees and pray for our country, pray for our land, pray for things that happen. And, and if you read on in James, James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Uh, and uh, the prayers of a righteous person are, is powerful. Powerful. I mean, praying is like, not like, well, all we can do is pray now. Prayer is powerful. It makes a difference. Prayer is powerful and effective. And the next verse says, says this. Uh, it talks about Elijah was a human being. You know, if you read about Elijah, he's just a normal guy for sure. He got, had all kinds of issues. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. I like that word, earnestly, that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So what can you do when you're outnumbered? What can you do in a land where you're outnumbered? What can you do in a company if you're outnumbered? You're like the only Christian. What can you do if you're at a high school where you're like, you know, just uh, only Christian? What can you do, you know, if you're surrounded and outnumbered by unbelievers? What can you do? You can pray because the prayer of a uh, a righteous person is powerful and effective. So when is the last time, let me just challenge you this, when is the last time you prayed for the country? When is the last time you prayed for our state? When is the last time you prayed for your governor? When is the last time you prayed that God would do something great in your county? When is the last time that you prayed that God would shake your world around you. And the Bible says the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So when you're outnumbered, what can you do? And Elijah prayed. He prayed it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. Then he prayed it did rain. Uh, and so we can pray for the rain of the Holy Spirit, for the rain of the Spirit of God to begin to come down upon our country, for the rain to begin to come down upon Delaware 
in Maryland, and some of you that are watching me in Texas, you know, the rain can come down, the spirit of rain, the spirit of revival can come down in Texas. And those of you that are listening in North Carolina and different places, the rain can come down and bring revival. We need to pray because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, let me just tell you something. You know, my new year, 2021, you know, one of the big things I'm doing as I'm praying more, I'm not telling you that to show you I'm spiritual. I just like wanted to come into this year, and I just wanted to pray more. I want to spend more time with the Lord, and I've been, I've been trying to pray. And I've been praying about stuff, asking the Lord to do things, things that I really need his help with, things that I need an answer to prayer for. And the, just a cool thing that happened to me about uh, all through 2020, I prayed for something. There was something that really I just couldn't get right, something that was wrong, something I wanted to happen. It was just very specific. And it wasn't a huge thing, but it was something important to me. And I prayed, you know, I remember praying in my devotions in 2020, Lord, and I would list this thing, and I would spell it out, Lord, I ask you, and I specifically ask, Lord, I just want this to happen. I need this to happen. And about two weeks ago, I got a phone call, and everything I had prayed for about that thing has come to pass. There's another thing I'm praying for right now, a big thing, that I can just see God's hand is beginning to work in that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, to be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is basically to make a list, to make a list without, with supplication. List out those things that you need and ask the Lord to do those things for you. And uh, so it matters when you pray. So if you're outnumbered, nobody in your family serving Jesus, nobody at the high school serving Jesus, nobody at the college or the you know junior college, nobody serving Jesus, and you're like you're like a you know like a a, a believer in a world of paganism, you got to pray for God to change that, and He can. And Elijah prayed for it to rain. And those people in Elijah's day, in the it was in the 800s, 800 BC, the ninth century. He prayed, and fire came down from heaven, and people began to turn away from Baal worship because Elijah prayed, and then when he prayed and on Mount Carmel, there's a whole other story there, the fire came down, consumed, and they saw that God was real, and we need to pray that people in our nation see that God is real. It's just not religion. It's just not you know ritualism. It's just not going to some ritualistic service and burning a candle. It's about seeing God's power and His grace working in our life. So that's an important thing. Next point I want to mention here. This is our last point today. Uh, and this is, when you're outnumbered, seek out people that think like you think. When you are outnumbered, seek out people that think like you think. Now, here's an important thing for us to remember. When you feel outnumbered, it's important that you find people that, that love the Lord and you connect with them. And let me just give you a, a stern warning as your pastor. During COVID, during this crazy pandemic we're living through, it's so easy to get isolated spiritually. And some people obviously are, aren't comfortable coming to church, and we totally understand that. But that's why our online service led by Pastor, pastor Nate is so important that we are connecting online because, uh, you know, and don't just like, oh, I'll get to it sometime this week. Put a time. Get up Sunday morning. Turn that thing on and when everybody else is watching and sit there with your dog and sit there with your family and watch the service and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. It's important that you get connected with other people because if you feel isolated and you feel outnumbered and you aren't seeking out people that think like you think and love Jesus like you love Jesus, you're going to be in serious trouble. 
When I was going through high school, and I was the Christian in the world of paganism uh, in the high school, uh, I led my friend Sammy to the Lord, and then we found some other believers, and we went to the, the principal of the school, and we said, we'd like to meet before classes start every morning and have prayer. And so because it was a student-led thing, it wasn't led by teachers or administrators, they gave us a room. They had to give us a room on the third floor. And so it was a room on the third floor that we started gathering together at 7.30 in the morning before school started. And all of us Christians, you know, that they're the surrogate, you know, and there was like four or five of us. And we met in there and we'd read a little verse of the Bible, you know, our good news from modern man, we'd read it. And we had our long hair and our bell bottoms on just to give you a picture of that generation. And we would pray, and then the five became seven, and then the seven became ten, and then the ten became fifteen, and the fifteen became twenty. And we filled that room up, and we began to pray. And some of those people I still have great relationships with across our state that love Jesus. And we met together to, to pray before the services, because when you are going through a hard time, and you feel like you're the only one, you need to seek out people that think like you think, and love Jesus like you love Jesus. Now this week, um, I, ha- I led my men's group in Zoom. It was the first Zoom meeting I led. And uh, I, you know, we've been meeting in person, then we got the COVID thing happening to people. So, so we set up our first Zoom meeting. And we had, uh, I got on 10 guys waiting for me, 10 guys waiting on Zoom. They had, uh, they had read the chapter we we're gonna talk about. They were prayed up, they had information, and we had for the next hour, we're just like talking, we prayed, and we talked to each other, and we talked about discouragement and what our chapter was about, and it was incredible. We had fellowship through our Zoom group. And if you're a little skeptical about Zoom groups, let me tell you something, Zoom groups work. They work because we're all, I could see, I could see Randy Bethke there in his, in, his, in his little office. I saw Rick Gavin in his office, and everybody you know, read it, and we're talking, and we're sharing, and then Bruce Cooper had things to share, and, and Nick Chumbrus, and everybody's chiming in, and that group was incredible. Because when you feel like you're outnumbered, you need to seek out people that are just like you. I remember reading about Max Cato. Uh, a couple years ago, he was uh, up in Boston, Massachusetts. He had to speak at a conference, and he was uh, currently writing a book while he was up there. And he said, after he got done speaking on Friday, he went to a Boston Celtics game on Friday night. And uh, he just happens to be from San Antonio, Texas. And I've been to Max Locato's church down in San Antonio. And um, he was up there, and the San Antonio Spurs were playing the Boston Celtics. And so he always wanted to go to Boston Gardens. And so he went to the, the basketball game, and he realized, quickly realized, he's surrounded by Boston Celtic fans, and he's a, he's a San Antonio Spur fan. And he thought, I better, I better be quiet here. I better be careful, because I could get mugged here if I would start rooting for the for the Spurs, but boy, the Spurs were playing good. He couldn't contain himself, and he got up, and he was doing war hoops, and he was all excited, and he realized that he was the only one. But then he saw another kid across the aisle that was also a Spur fan, and they kept looking at each other and giving each other high fives, and every time Lakeda would jump up, this other boy would jump up, and he would cheer for the Spurs, and they encouraged each other, even though they were surrounded with people that were different than them, and that's what church is all about. It doesn't, if you come to church in person, that's a great way to do it. If you're not ready to do that, make sure that you're online regularly worshiping because when you're tuned in online, you're gathering with other people. And join a Zoom group. We have Zoom groups ready right now for you to join. And it makes such a huge difference in your life. So listen, 
It says in the uh, book of Hebrews, this is the quintessential verse on church attendance. Everybody quotes this, and I believe it. And if you know the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is about Jewish people that were starting to lose their faith. They were feeling outnumbered, they were persecuted, and they were starting to drift away from their faith. And the writer of Hebrews, whoever it was, said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. They had got a, in a habit of not being in a habit of coming to church. And make sure you don't get in a habit of not being in a habit of seeking the Lord with other people. It's very important. When you're outnumbered, seek out people that are just like you during these hard times. I remember when, uh, when our, my sons were maybe uh, high school, uh, Karen and I and our family and where the boys were at the beach one day, we were at Southside uh, near the Indian River Inlet Bridge there, and our favorite place to go. And we were hanging out there and we were swimming. And I got out there and I was swimming uh, and my, uh, Karen and the boys were, just happened to be on the beach then. I'm out there swimming. I'm floating around and with all the other tourists, I'm out there. I'm floating around having the best time. And as I'm floating around, I didn't realize I'd gotten in a riptide. And that riptide was pulling me down toward the canal. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw my family way down the beach. And I didn't realize how far I had drifted in that riptide. And they, that riptide was pulling me and pulling me and pulling me till I was almost in the canal there, and I was in trouble. And I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to swing, swim parallel with the, with the riptide. And I was trying, but I could not get out of that riptide. And, I mean, I was caught, and the boys saw I was in trouble, and they jumped up with their, their body boards and boogie boards, and they head toward me, and they swim out. Both Tim and Joel are incredible swimmers. They swam out to me, and they fished me uh, a body board, and I grabbed a hold of that body board, and they had the tether, and they pulled me in and got me back to the beach. And they said, Dad, Dad, you embarrassed us. You were like a tourist out there. And I just was thinking about how that tide gradually, covertly, caused me to drift away. And I was drifting. I was caught in that drift. And I wonder about you in these times of like uh, abandoning the values of Christianity, abandoning the values of the Bible, when we see even our own country sort of go from Yahweh to worshiping Baal, and we see ourselves being pulled away. Let me ask you this question. Even though you're outnumbered, are you going to be an Elijah? Because God said to Elijah, Elijah, you know, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 people that haven't bowed to Baal, and they have not kissed his image. And I'm here to tell you, there's people all across America, all across the world. Right now, Christianity is the biggest religion in the world. The biggest religion in the world. There's people in India. There's people in Great Britain. There's people in France. There's people in Germany. There's people in every country. Australia, all over this world. Korea, South Korea has a large population of people that follow Jesus. You are a part of an army of people who love Jesus. And even if you're surrounded by paganism and you feel like everybody's against you and you feel like it's tough times spiritually, tough times never last, but tough people do. God's with you. He loves you. He cares about you. I want you to pray with me right now. Would you lift up your hands and ask the Holy Spirit to just work in your life? And uh, just lift your hands up right now. Lord, we just sense your Spirit working in this service. God, we sense that you are
restoring our faith. You're giving us strength. You're making us tough. You're making us strong so we do not abandon our faith. We thank you, Lord, that we are a part of a great army of people all over this world that love Jesus. And I pray for people that feel outnumbered today. They feel outnumbered. And I ask you to help them and strengthen them. And we thank you for being with them. And we thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, listen, will you do me a favor? Will you share this uh, message? Would you share it with all your media sources? You know, where, where, however you share that, would you share that with as many people? Many people that are following Jesus and people that are thinking about following Jesus need to hear this message. Will you pass it on and get it out? Let's get it out all over this community this week, all over the country. Get it out this week. And next week, I want you to join me as we finish our series Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Love you guys. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.